Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Calhoun can hit, right? But he's like, yeah, it's DH. But he's one guy. But all three guys in the Yankees deal have potential to be guys. I love sentences like that. What are the odds that not only do you have two walk-off grand slams by one player, but another pitcher gives up two in the same week? The 2018 opening day center fielder for the uh, European Baseball Federation, <laughs> London Werewolves. <laughs> and welcome to Artificial Turf Wars episode number 68. Even though the deadline deal has passed, we guarantee meaningful September podcasts. I am your host, Greg Wisniewski, and I am joined tonight by Joshua Housem. Josh? Hey. And our old friend, Nick Dyka. Nick? Hey, how's it going? It's going good. Good to have you back for this special post-deadline edition uh, where we are going to talk about the end of the Joe Smith and uh, not Nelson, but Francisco Liriano eras, because so I don't get to make that mistake anymore. Uh, <laughs> the other uh, people involved in those deadline deals are, of course, new names. We'll talk a little bit about what we know about them. Um, some of the division rivals have changed things around, ramping up for a playoff run. We, of course, are going to uh, cover the performances of the team, including, but not limited to, Marco Estrada, Steve Pierce, and Justin Smoke. Um... We're going to talk about walk-offs, because there were a lot of those, good and bad. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe a little bit about uh, Bautista and uh, Josh Donaldson. We, of course, have questions from you, and we have a do-over from For the Men in Blue. Uh, so, let's start it all off with our, our ode to uh, Joe Smith and, and Nelson Liriano. Which guy? <laughs> which Francisco? <laughs> I knew it. I, that's the last time. <laughs> I, you know, there's people listening who don't even remember Nelson Liriano. I guarantee it. <laughs> uh, so, who, who, Josh, really had more of an impact on this team? Joe or, or uh, Francisco? Well, it's got to be Francisco, right? I mean, the team still sucks this year, <laughs> even though Joe Smith was good. And Francisco Liriano was bad, and they suck. And last year, he was... <laughs> He was great down the stretch, and obviously he had that great performance. It's only five outs, but five huge outs in that wild card game because when he was done, there was no one left in the pen. So without him, the Jays, there's a very good chance that they don't make it through Baltimore or even to the Baltimore game. 
you know, because he was awesome down the stretch too. So it's him, and I don't think it's close. So Nick, he never really took that big step forward this season. Do you think that, that we know the reason for that, or we'll ever know the reason for that? Um, is it is it anything particularly new? Because I I know Francisco Liriano throughout his career has been kind of inconsistent, and so I think it's. I think that's just kind of the the pitcher he is, and you know he's when he's on he's effectively wild, and when when he's not he's just wild, and and so I think it's not it's it's not anything new. It's just kind of it's just kind of par for the course, and and the Jays, you know, they got five really big outs like Josh was saying when they needed them, and then you know he was great he was great at points last year too down the stretch, but like a lot of pitchers that struggle with control he had his ups and downs and i think if you talk to anybody who watched him in minnesota or pittsburgh they'd probably say the same thing and uh if we talk to someone in houston three months from now they might be saying the same thing too um i i have to feel like if anything was a harbinger of things to come in the blue jay season it was the one out performance in the opening uh well not opening series but in the series in tampa bay at the beginning of the season from francisco his first start of the year after the dominant spring <laughs> yeah yeah that whole that maybe should have tipped us off if there are such leading indicators i think i think that was one right there um, yeah I, despite his lack of impact i'm probably going to miss joe smith more I like guys with unconventional deliveries who are who are effective. You know, both those things together, they kind of complement one another. So, um, yeah, even though people didn't believe Joe Smith was a real person, he he was he was really good. Yeah. So, just one thing I'm a little sad about too. So this is this goofy thing I've been tracking all year. So Francisco Liriano is going to Houston to pitch out of the bullpen because he dominates lefties. He only has one walk against lefties all year. He was only three starts away from Clarence Mitchell's record for the most ever starts for a pitcher who's never thrown 200 innings in a season. And now he won't get there this year, probably. So that maybe if Houston's got the division wrapped up, they'll uh, they'll let him start a few down the the stretch. (laughs) So he can get the ignominious record. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah, well, that tells us a lot about Liriano's consistency as well, because nobody's ever given him the ball for 200 innings, or he's never not walked enough people to get 200 innings, or some combination of those things. Um, So for those guys, uh, let's look at the Joe Smith deal first, because I guess it's probably less impact. Am I right about that, Josh? Yeah. I mean, that's just the nature of the relief market. It, It... for especially non-controllable relievers, there just wasn't much there, and that makes sense. You know, th- th- these setup guys—they're not that hard to find. Like the Blue Jays, like, eh, Danny Barnes, Dominic <laughs> Leon, right? <laughs> <laughs> so they got two guys. Samad Taylor is a low A ball. Actually, he's not even low A ball. He's in short season ball. Short. Uh, he's a shortstop. And uh, Tom Panone or Panoni—I actually don't know how to pronounce it. He seems like the guy. Uh, you know, he's a lefty that's taken a huge step forward this year. He only throws like 90-91, can touch 93, but in five starts in high A at 22 years old, he gave up zero runs. And then in double A, he's been very good with a strikeout per inning. So I think that's like his guy that could be a big league starter, it seems like. But still sort of a lottery ticket, of course. Yeah, obviously. I mean, most guys are, but he's in double A. It's not like he's some guy out in, you know, down in the complex leagues or something like that. He's pretty close. 
uh, a uh, a blackjack hand, not a lottery ticket. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I learned all kinds of new names at, at deadline days, and uh, yeah, I think it is Panone because someone was complaining they couldn't make pony jokes with his pronunciation of his name um, on uh. Twitter. <laughs> immediately, immediately, my mind goes to how many puns can we get out of these people's names? Uh, which means, of course, that. <laughs> Even though the deal um, is technically for a reliever, I guess Liriano uh, ranks a little bit higher because he got a name that we've actually seen in the big leagues. Do you remember, uh, Nick, uh, Teoscar Hernandez's home run in Toronto? Uh, I don't remember it, but I've now seen the highlight of it several times. Um, And, yeah, he seems to be a guy who's got, uh, you know, a nice slash line at, at AAA. Um, and you know, he, he could be an interesting fantasy baseball player, given that he steals bases and he can hit for power. Um, and it was more than I thought they'd be able to get for Francisco Liriano, uh, especially when you're considering it's Francisco Liriano, the reliever. Um, but yeah, good on the Jays for being able to at least, you know, get something that, that could be of value. And it's definitely something they need too, given their, uh, the mess that their outfield's been this year. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, we, yeah. I mean, and the fact that I don't, we'll, we'll probably get to this later, but Jose Bautista doesn't seem to be the guy who's going to be manning right field next year, which is all the whole separate issue. Um, so were you surprised at that return, Josh? Because like uh, Nick said, it, he does appear to be major league, at least level talent, not star talent. Yeah, I was. Uh, when when the trainers announced... It's like it was Liriano to the Astros for Nori Aoki and an outfielder. At that point, I started to think maybe it's somebody pretty good because they're taking Aoki's contract back. And there's a few million bucks left on his deal or two and a half million, somewhere in that range. So if they're taking Liriano's money and that, they're probably getting something decent. And Teoscar Hernandez, you know, he's an outfielder who has pop. He has speed and he might strike out a bit, but he's not a bad contact guy. But at worst, he's a good fourth outfielder. And... You know, for a pending free agent guy who's got an ERA over six, that's pretty good. <laughs> uh, yeah, so they traded a little bit of Liriano's reputation and a little bit of salary relief. Um, so there was some thought that maybe Aoki isn't even very long. Well, obviously, for a Blue Jays, he, they, they did put him on the roster, did they not? Aoki? Sorry, it's not Aoki. That's wrong. I've been, I follow Daisy Child on Twitter, who is Japanese, and insists it's. Aoki. Yes, Nori Aoki. Um, yeah, I mean, they, he's, there's no place for him really on the roster, right? They've got too many outfielders as it is, which is funny to say because none of them are any good. But, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like Zeke is having a good year. And Pierce is, well, we're going to get to Pierce, what he's been doing. And none of these guys, even Aoki, is not is a good outfielder. So the, it's I would be surprised well, I guess not surprised if he plays out the season just because if he's on the roster, but I would not be at all surprised if he's traded in a waiver deal in August. Um, one, one fun, interesting uh, Nori fact is uh, I was looking at an article that Jeff Zimmerman had written on Fangraphs, and he got access to the uh, home to first uh, times, and Aoki's... Oh, sorry. How do you say it again, Greg? Aoki. Aoki. Is uh, he's only behind Billy Hamilton, Billy Burns, D. Gordon, and Kevin Kiermeyer in time in terms of foot speed 
from home to first. Which That's because think... he's running out of the box when he swings. <laughs> he's not actually fast. But still, I mean, he, he's getting there. He's getting there quick. And I think, you know, after after seeing guys like Kendry's busted down there to first all year, I think people will be a, at least a little bit happy to see a guy with a little bit of foot speed um, on the team, for better or worse. Not, not that I think it's really going to help, but... It's fair because if if anything we've, we that's been painful about this team more than anything else is, uh, it is so slow that even that the horrible record they have hitting with runners on first and second when they do manage to do anything with a runner in scoring position that really doesn't guarantee a runner scoring by any stretch of the imagination. No, yeah. I I um, feel like the. It, Average speed runners would have scored probably about fifteen to twenty more runs for the Blue Jays this year. Yeah, it definitely yeah, yeah. definitely feels like that. All right. Well, now I've, we've, we're crapping all over the team again. Let's uh, let's see. Was there anyone else that we missed in those deals? I think that was everyone. For that the was Jays. it. So uh, a little bit better in the outfield department, and we'll see what happens with the minor leaguers. Of course, the teams that were actually in contention—the Yankees and the Red Sox. Uh, they did some serious loading up. Uh, Josh, what, what do you think was the bigger, biggest impact deal? Is it Sonny Gray? No, actually, I don't think it was. I'm, well, no, it's, it's either that one or the other one they made, the Yankees. I think the Yankees had, did really, really well because they had hole, holes at third and first base, really, and in their bullpen, and they traded for Todd Fraser, David Robertson, and Tommy Conley from the White Sox and gave up nothing, really. <laughs> Rutherford is a guy who's got some talent, but he's having a bad year. And so they got three really good players, and then they got Gray for, you know, Caprillion, and, you know, he could be really good if he comes back from Tommy John surgery. And But basically, they got all these guys, and they didn't give up their two top, top guys, Fraser and Torres. So I'm wondering, Nick, were you surprised that injured players were not a problem? And, like, do you think that, that people want the Yankees to win, other GMs? <laughs> Well, it, I, I feel like the 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 Sunny Gray trade is just keeping in line a longstanding tradition of the AL East just kind of fleecing the Oakland A's or uh, <laughs> using them as as their farm team. Uh, so I wouldn't be surprised uh, if it wasn't for the the long history of of, of light returns to Oakland. But um, yeah, no, I, I did in all seriousness. I I did agree that with Josh that I did thought. I did think it was going to be a little bit, it was a little bit light, uh, especially given that Gray was one of the top pitchers available, it seemed. I, I don't actually think the deal was that light for Oakland. I think Gray's a bit overrated from his park. I, I'm just surprised that they were able to get him without giving up, getting all those guys without giving up either Torres or Fraser. I still think that the potential in that package is not bad. Like, you aren't getting Prillian if he's not hurt. Mm. Right. You know, he entered the season as one of the top consensus 50 prospects in baseball, a guy who pumps 98, 99 and has breaking stuff. So I, I think that it could still work out well for them. It's just a lot of risk. It's just like if you compare it to what the the Dodgers had to give up for three months of you, Darvish, uh, they got Calhoun, which I think is he's top three in the in the Dodger system. Um, I'd rather have the Yankees, the, the Oakland package than what Texas got for the Do for Darvish. Really? really? Oh yeah, and I did, like not even really having to think about it. 
Oh, okay, interesting. Calhoun um, can right. hit, right? But he's like, yeah. he might be a DH. But he's one guy. But all three guys in the Yankees deal have potential to be guys. Cool. I love sentences like that. Yeah. Every guy here it's could be a guy. Talk. He's a guy or a guy? <laughs> I, don't even, I don't even know, man. Which, really, I don't know. I don't know any of these guys. I learned their names um, like the typical fan. The day of the trade. Um, so, uh, what did the Red Sox do, Josh? Did they, did they... they basically just added Addison Reed. There was a lot of people wondering, like, well, their rotation's in shambles, and their offense is bad, but they added a reliever. <laughs> they did need relievers, and Reed's a good one, but I don't. I think they probably, and their fans probably, wish they had done more. It's, it's tough when you only add one piece to think that you've really done something, um, regardless of, you know, where, where the team stands. Uh... Yeah, I've, I just find it amazing that the Red Sox offense is not that great. Despite, well, it's like the Jays last year. Yeah, from historic to meh. Yeah. Well, it seems like uh, Devers and, oddly enough, um, uh, oh, he's he's escaping my name, the shortstop they got from, from San Francisco. Uh, oh, yeah, they, got, they picked up Eduardo Nunez, that's right. And Nunez, yeah. They've kind of provided uh, a little bit of a jolt uh, as of recently, but it still does feel like they're they're kind of underperforming. Uh, but I guess Dave Dombrowski he didn't he didn't waste any time kind of emptying the prospect cupboard, and it seems like like part of the reason it, it felt like they were inactive is because they probably didn't have the prospects to be in on some of the the bigger pieces the way the Yankees did and the Dodgers. I would like to talk about the Red Sox third base situation in regards to Nunez because I'm trying to keep this someone expressed this and, I, and if this is accurate it's really weird so the Red Sox DFA'd their very expensive third baseman who Pablo Sandoval who went and signed a contract back in San Francisco uh, for no money at all and then th- that made it necessary or possibly attractive for San Francisco to move their current third baseman to the Red Sox. So effectively yep. he was traded for him without ever being traded. <laughs> yeah. Well, they got Nunez to replace Sandoval and then Sandoval to, to, to replace Nunez, but they weren't traded for one another. Cause that's not how no. that worked. Okay. Uh, yeah, well I'll just chew on that all week and wonder how that happened. Uh, we should uh, move to the good news, I guess. This is the good news segment. Everybody tune in. for the. It should last at least three or four minutes. Marco Estrada appears to have have sort of beginning to crest the hill here or something. Is that is that how you feel, Josh? <laughs> I get to say something good about Estrada. It's been a month, two months since yes. I've been able to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, his last two starts. I mean, in the first one against Oakland, he went four. At first, he dominated for four innings, then he lost it a bit in the fifth. Gave up a two-run bomb and a couple walks. But and then last time out against the White Sox, yeah, they're the White Sox, but every other pitcher seems to have been having trouble with them. <laughs> Seven innings, one runs, one run, only one walk was the big one because the walks have been killing him. Yeah. So and so, just a, a quick note, like so, that it's worth noting he's still on the roster. Right, and a lot of people expected him to be traded, but he seems like the prime kind of guy to hold back 
instead of just taking whatever you can get and hope that he pitches well another three, four times out, and then you make an August waiver trade with him because his salary makes it high is high enough that he might still clear waivers. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, you, you can't you can't trade him at the very bottom of his value just to get rid of him. That doesn't make any sense to me either. And clearly, he was at the bottom of his value right about the deadline. Mm-hmm. There were there were even some stories I think I saw kicking around today about how this leaves the door open for an extension, which I know, Josh, that's going to make you pretty happy. <laughs> little giddy. Um, yeah, Gideon actually yeah. broke that the first, that they, that they were considering <laughs> talking long-term now. Uh, nothing on paper yet, but that could be... It could be fun if if he again it's control more than anything else. We know he's not going to throw any harder. We know he's not specifically hurt, but if he, if he gets that control back, then the deception is there, and he can go back to pitching the way he was successful. But he's really had trouble with the walks, like you said. Yep. Let's talk about the man of the hour or the man of two hours. I don't know which it is. Steve <laughs> Pierce. Like, I think I'm fully justified in saying, Beers, Pierce! <laughs> uh, back. For once. Yeah, well, I'm not going to let that down. I've never said, I don't think I've said a single bad thing about Steve Pierce. And that's even knowing he can't play the outfield at all. Um, <laughs> all, all season long. Uh, wow. He. So I've tried to explain this to some non baseball people, but basically, when you were 10. Did you not, was it not always in the backyard when your friend was pitching to you, two down, down by a couple of runs or a tie game or whatever, bottom of the ninth, bases loaded? Isn't that what you always dreamed about? That's always the playground at bat. Yeah. No other at bat matters. I mean, it's often in the World Series, but if you're not being specific, that's the at bat. It's <laughs> in the World Series. But what do you do every time? What are you trying to do? You're not trying to, like, take a walk, which Pierce was one pitch away from doing the first time he hit a walk-off Grand Slam this week. Uh, you're trying to hit the home run, right? Oh, yeah. 100%. <laughs> and he does twice in four days uh, on a personal yes. level. Is he ever going to have a better week in baseball? Unless he does something in a World Series, the answer is no, and there's no competition. <laughs> um, so did, did you see either of them live, Nick? I, yeah, so I saw the first one I was watching the game, and then the, uh, the second one, we were playing, the band was playing in Detroit, and one of the guys was kind of on his phone, and he, and he, he mentions, he said, Steve Pierce had a walk-off Grand Slam. <laughs> and me, like, really confidently, and like, I'm like, you're looking at old highlights. That was three days ago. And he's like, are you sure? I was like, trust me, it was three days. Like, really, like, really smugly. Like, really, really smugly. And, uh, and I was like, yeah, I was against the Angels, right? And... Uh, or no, I'm sorry. It's like the, the athletics, right? Yeah, yeah. And he's like, "Nope." And I'm like, what? And then, and then, then I like pulled out my phone, and I couldn't believe it because I, I had seen like they were, you know, they had been down by a lot earlier, and so I kind of had checked out. But um, yeah, it was crazy. So I missed the second one, but I saw the first. Uh, I am in the same situation. I think that may have been the least watched walk off grand slam in Blue Jays history. <laughs> <laughs> The, the number of people who tuned that game out about the eighth 
I know people who were at that game and it's just long and hot. They're like, oh, forget this. And they left. <laughs> well, I'm sure if I went to look, I've, I've seen the chart. I haven't looked at the actual number, but the win expectancy had to be a right, right about 1% for most of Oh, under the, that. Yeah, yeah, it's like 0.1%. For, not just for that at bat, but for most of the ninth inning. <laughs> like, there's, it never happens until it happens. So if you buy a ticket to a game, I would say park yourself in the shade and uh and make sure you stay to the end because you never know um the other thing i I wanted to mention was the first one that i did see live i was kind of hoping for a walk-off walk only in a selfish sense that i had written about walk-off walks that week and wanted to promote my article that day it came out (laughs) it was it would have been perfect but this was better i'm okay with it but okay we'll go ahead sorry when the pitch left his hand I was like, well, that's not going to be a walk-off walk. It's, it's either going to be... <laughs> it's going to be a walk-off something. Um, because it was right down Broadway. Uh, yeah, not Liam Hendricks' best outing. But he was not... I have to mention, he was not the guy who had the worst week. <laughs> Bud Norris gave up two walk-off <laughs> Grand Slams this week. Yeah. Because One Edwin Encarnacion, yeah, <laughs> and then to Pierce. Like, what are the odds that not only do you have two walk-off grand slams by one player, but another pitcher gives up two in the same week, and they're not both off the same batter and pitcher combination? But, but the guy who gives up two in one week is uh, it gives up one of them to the guy who hits two in one week. Uh, yeah, I don't no, saying, but not yeah. both of them. Wow. I think it's even un- more unusual that even uh, the odds against Either all way, of that are insane. ridiculous. Just ridiculous. It's insane. <laughs> um, not as ridiculous, but almost as much fun. Justin Smoke, I believe he hit his 31st tonight for the Jays, um, is doing in the second half almost exactly what he did in the first half, isn't he, Josh? <laughs> yeah. I love how I get to start all these. This is really nice. Haha, <laughs> take that guest, Nick. Uh <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I mean, he's got four home runs in his last 10 games and he's up to 302 with a 380 on base and a 602 slugging. Um, so do we believe, Nick, that this might be a Jose Bautista ing 2.0? Ooh, it's uh, it's feeling that way. Um, and it definitely feels like money well spent at this point. Um, I've I've never been so excited for that that third year option on the uh, on the smoke <laughs> deal uh, than I have been in the last two months. But uh, yeah, I mean, he's done it for half a year. That's I think gonna be one of the big stories of kind of the the last two months of the season is if if he can keep it up because it's gonna, I, it's gonna obviously go a long way in helping the Jays be a, a viable wild card contender next year if he does, if he is able to, to finish strong, I think. He's on pace for 47 home runs. Which, if you had talked to me in 2011, <laughs> I, probably, <laughs> I probably would have said that that was, a, that was a likely thing. And then any of the years between 2011 and now, <laughs> I would have vehemently disagreed with you. <laughs> and now I'm back to, well, I guess that's a thing. Even when Josh said it just now, I, I thought I was having a mini stroke. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's it's a pleasant surprise in a a season full of a lot of disappointments, I'd say. 
Um, so I'd just like to make a point of order. The Blue Jays walked off three times in a week. Back, yep. Yeah. That's that seems like it might be a good thing because you won three games, but I gotta I gotta feel like that's not actually a good thing. Like because that means you'd never have the lead going into late in the game. <laughs> yeah, they needed and not only that, at both times they needed a ninth inning home run just to tie the game before yeah. the, the the one that like does the appears the first grand slam that was tied earlier by a Morales home run and they, the day before that they'd gone home run home run to win the game it's just not not how you want to build your offense so yeah it's been fun could we please not not make a habit of this is what I'm saying uh so I, I alluded to Jose Bautista or Justin Smoke being Jose Bautista 2.0 uh so I'll hand this one to Nick current Jose Bautista um what happened where is he is he ever coming back? Yeah. Justin Smoke stole his powers, it, it, it <laughs> seems like. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, he he is, you know, an outfielder of Batista's age is, I think, susceptible to, to this kind of decline. Um, so it's not super shocking to me. I'm very curious to see, you know, what happens at the end of the season and, like, who's interested in him and at what level and in what capacity because – He's either he you know he either seems hurt or or he's just really started to to kind of suffer from age related decline I guess but uh, yeah he he seems like a, a shell of of him, his former self. I was expecting a decline, of course, but we all hope for the gradual decline. Um, his weighted runs created, as just as an example, in the last thirty days, fifty eight, which is right about the same as Kevin Pilar. Um, that's a pretty big trough to, to to come back out of. Now, I know David Ortiz did it. Do you, do you think he's got a David Ortiz style resurgence in him, Josh? No. <laughs> <laughs> I wish he did. I wish I did. But every single indicator is that the power is gone. I mean, he's, his exit velocity is down four miles an hour from a couple of years ago, and that's significant. It's just he's not hitting the ball hard. He's whiffing on mediocre fastballs up in the zone. He just looks done and. You know he's 37 it's not like he's you know he's a young guy and yeah it's like he fell off a cliff and he randomly had that great may but i think he could maybe be, be a little better than this but i don't think he's ever gonna get back to the feared slugger like ortiz did i think but yeah what happened to ortiz was certainly an anomaly but <coughs> uh they're friends you know maybe he'll still ortiz's power post-retirement i don't know how that works <laughs> uh josh donaldson he cometh back with a, a couple of home runs here in back-to-back -back games against the White Sox, which is, you know, not an easy park to homer in, per se. Uh, it, it seems like too little too late from J.D. Do you think maybe there was an injury? Or there still is? Um, speaking of, I know we're talking about Batista's exit velocity being down. Donaldson's uh, is down about three miles an hour from last year and, uh, and 2015 as well. Um, and he's also hitting less fly balls than he, he usually does, um, which as kind of the guy who was one of the first elevate and celebrate hitting philosophy guys, it's, it's pretty surprising. So my, my inclination is that he's been playing hurt for a while uh, because those seem like some pretty, pretty big dips for a guy his age. 
to have without there being another physical problem taking a toll on him. I would not be surprised yeah. if you were exactly right about that. And, and he definitely plays through injuries. Yeah. Yeah, not necessarily <laughs> to his benefit. And the injury he didn't play through, um, it didn't seem to... He came back that first week and was great, and then he fell right back off the cliff again. So well, I shouldn't say fell off the cliff. He he failed to be Josh Donaldson again. We'll go with that. Don't want to hurt him too much. And all in all, that means it's about time to take a few questions. Time now to hear from our listeners. That just seems silly. Here are the rules. First I ask a question, then you ask a question. Now how does that sound, sweetheart? Could you repeat the question, please? Yes. Uh, no, I will not repeat the question. I will just ask the questions. And our first question is a big question, I think, from uh, at Baseball Her. Should I renew my season tickets? Ooh. Uh, Josh is a season ticket holder. So I will, I will ask that question to you first. <laughs> well, this is the question I'm asking myself right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're raising the tickets by 10 to 17 percent next year and uh, it's tough I, I want to but it's a big commitment and if they're going to be crappy again then it's like yeah you know, i can't offload them they, they, so i don't know it's it, it like the answer is you got to wait and see what happens with the rest of the season if they show any signs of life then yeah but if not then i could justify not that is the signs of life problem in a team that's playing out the string. Nick, should uh, should you renew uh, baseball her season tickets for her? <laughs> uh, um, I think I think my perspective is I get a little I get personally offended when when they uh, increase the prices and then I take it as like a, a challenge to to see if I can kind of beat them on the like secondary market. So. I, I get I get really kind of I don't know why I get so frustrated with them increasing the prices, but um, I, I think it's just because it's so like there's so much loyalty in baseball fandom that doesn't exist in like any other industry. Like, can you imagine a restaurant where the food was getting worse and more expensive and you kept going? <laughs> but but that's I mean when you like love a baseball team, that's kind of what happens. So. Uh, I, I had the uh, the 40 game flex pack last year. Um, I didn't get it. I didn't renew it this year because the other problem with the ticketing is there's less and less benefits for for people who are holding like season tickets and flex packs and stuff like oh, that. Oh, don't so, get me started on that. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that's a whole podcast right there. Um, yeah. yeah, we'll move on. But, yeah, I'm gonna read this DM question. All right. This, so this came from Dylan Cochran. This is referencing the game last night. We're recording this Tuesday. Um, here's the question. So why was it ruled that Willie Garcia didn't make a catch of the play in which he got hurt? I know he dropped the ball, but it looked like he caught and had full control of it before it snuck out of his glove when he was clearly out, as in unconscious, on the ground. Ooh, ooh, I know this one. <laughs> uh, because the rule specifically states that if someone makes a catch doesn't transfer the ball and hits another fielder or falls down or is knocked over uh, and the ball falls out uh, he hasn't demonstrated control and that it specifically cannot be ruled as an out yeah there you go 
Mr. Umpire, I figured that one was a good one for you. Oh, thanks. It's funny because yeah. the, the, the funny part about the baseball is often you will go on something, you're like, oh, that's so weird. And then you read the rule book and it's, it, it gives you the specific situation that you wouldn't think would be in a rule book. And you're like, oh, well, they must have watched enough games that that it came up already. Well, we, we talked about this back <laughs> way back when the Russell Martin throwing the ball of Shinsu Chu's bat. Yeah. It's and, in the, and we're like, it, no, that's a very specific <laughs> example. It's in the rule book. It's a strange rule book. Um, not worth probably reading through the whole thing, but it's definitely worth skimming when you're confused. Uh, I'll go with Brendan Kuhn. He has two questions. First one is, uh, what big name free agents make sense for the team next year? Nick, you haven't really got to answer a question off the top. Do you have a big name free agent you'd love to see? Well, there's a, a 29-year-old outfielder named Travis Snyder whose contract is expiring at the end of the year. That's a big um, name to you, huh? <laughs> yeah, he's a, a big person. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, like there, there's no one that's really that really to me like jumped off the page uh, as somebody um, that is a great fit. I mean, what did Carlos Gonzalez help the Jays? Probably, assuming he comes back to life. Um, Lorenzo Cain. Yep, Cain. Although I, I'm personally a little hesitant to to go after a, a guy like Cain. So much of his value is tied up in his athleticism, and as he gets older, and he's already 31, I, I think. So I don't know how well he's going to age. Um, yeah, I, it's it's not a great it's not a great class of, of free agents, which. Uh, yeah, and uh, it's not a great thing for the Jays, who who do need to to augment their team so much. Yeah. Well, yeah, we'll see what they do. I think they're probably playing like the Lance Lynn class or Jake Arrieta if he's taking a crappy deal, which he won't. So, who knows? Marco uh, Estrada. <laughs> Marco Estrada, yes, free agent extraordinaire. Um, yeah. I mean, there's no big name like Salta La Macchia out there. <laughs> to take yeah, there is. <laughs> yeah well it's kind of a big name um physically <laughs> does uh second question for brendan is does drevin travis moving to left field make sense um we'll go with josh on that one i guess i don't think it does really i, I the idea behind this is obviously that he would potentially be healthier in left field because he's not running around trying to dodge sliding guys at second base and dealing with all the hazards of the infield. But they don't have anybody else to play second base, as we have witnessed every time he's gotten injured. <laughs> and until you have that, I don't think that there's any point in moving him because it's a lot easier to fill in in left field. As we have seen, they've put enough guys to go fill in that are better than Ryan Goins. So I think that's the answer is no. I don't think it really does. Um, makes sense to me. Any anything to add there, Nick? Or are we good? Uh, I believe in Rod Refsnyder. Um, but no, I'm just kidding. We're <laughs> we're good. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. Uh, from Quinn Sweetser, uh, what's worse, Barry Davis's tweets about Ryan Goins or the people that listen to them? Um, can two things possibly be exactly equally bad? I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> you can just answer that one yourself. I think you've covered it. Uh. Barry Davis does not technically have a job in sports media anymore, but everyone seems to think that he still does. Um, although he was not in any sense a baseball expert. He was just a guy with a microphone, which is like, and I don't think he was particularly good at being a guy with a microphone, but 
that's a different issue. Uh, Ryan Goins is, by any objective measure, bad. Done. Sean Addis asks, which of the young outfielders do you project to make the biggest impact next year? Uh, whose turn is it? Nick. Nick. All right. Uh, so I'm not... I'm not a plugged-in prospect guy, as I'm sure you guys know, but I'm going to say uh, Lourdes Gurriel just because he's the oldest uh, of them and the least concussed. Uh, <laughs> the least concussed. I like that. Yeah, n- next year is tough, but for me, at the moment, I'm thinking Teoscar Hernandez because he's actually a guy under 25 in AAA who isn't concussed. Yeah, it's him or Alfred, right? Alfred came up to the bigs this year and showed a little something. So I, I think both of them will get very real chances unless they go out and add somewhere. But I, I'm guessing they're going to fill it in-house. If Dwight Smith Jr. is listening, is he angry right now? It's not a Twitter question. It's just... <laughs> <laughs> um, Luke at Split Letters. A uh, couple of quick ones. Who is in the rotation for the Jays next April? Uh, <laughs> I think it's the C. same C. guys. Yeah, right. No, I think it's the five. I think it's Sanchez, uh, Stroman, Biagini, Hap, and who am I missing? Estrada. Estrada's going to be the fifth guy. He's coming back, is he? I, th- I think he will. I think he's going to be back. Um, by April 15th, it will be Matt Latos, Mike Bolsinger. Uh, <laughs> Matt Latos is going to be back? Yep, we're bringing him back, baby. Um, never too Latos for Latos. Uh, and Francisco Liriano. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're bringing everybody back. We're getting the band back together. <laughs> Do you remember when Roy Halladay was like, it was just automatic? Oh, well, at least we'll start. the Roy will be out there. Um, no knock against Stroman, though. Because I think we've, we've shown once again that Stroman... Uh, Knows what to do. Knows how to show up for work. Uh, any any wild card names you've got out there for the rotation, Nick? Um, hmm. Edwin Jackson uh, in the <laughs> oh, in the in the Lucas Harrell Matt Latos class. <laughs> no, Lance Lane is my guy there. Alrighty. Uh, over under on Bo making the bigs. That would be Bo Bichette. Um, June twenty fifth, twenty eighteen. Nick, do you? Before then, after then? Under. Um, I, I think he's, he's awfully young, and there's a lot of uh, growing pains that come with double and, double and triple A. So I'm you, going to go... You're taking yep. the over. Oh, sorry, over. Sorry, over. Later, he's taking. Yeah. Yeah, later. After, after June of next season. Yep. Same here. Yeah, high, high A is, is a different animal than double A. From everything I've ever read, learned, seen. Ask Brett Lurie. Um And he's 19. Yeah, so the, why would you rush the guy? Uh, here's here's my question. Do Bo and Vlad go lockstep to the bigs together? No, Bo gets there first. All right. Uh, Colleen Evans at Colleen Evans 6, six asks, does Smoke have a chance at a gold glove? Is there much competition at first base this year? Uh, Josh had to inform me that last year's winner was Mitch Moreland. <laughs> Belated congratulations. <laughs> um, and his season ended on a booted ball. A failure to scoop a ball. Oh! Uh, gold gloves 
I guess that the non-premium defensive positions are kind of a mystery to me still, even though they supposedly have a, a real statistical component to them. Um, but by most measures, is, is Justin not a negative value first baseman? Uh, first base stats suck. Justin Smoltz's biggest defensive value is he's a really, really good at picking the ball. And that doesn't show up in any defensive run saved or any metrics like that because it's just hard, too hard to quantify. I think, and this sounds stupid enough, but it's realistic. He's hitting well enough to be in the conversation. Classic gold glove conversation. <laughs> uh, we are past the days of Juan Gonzalez DH winning the first base gold glove, though. We, we've, we have evolved slightly. No, it was Rafael Palmero. Was it Palmero? My yeah, bad. Juan yes. Gonzalez didn't. You know, he wasn't getting it. Uh, um, Connor Moore at the Seahound. Will Josh Donaldson still be a Blue Jay by the next time the Jays make the playoffs? Nick, how's the crystal ball polished up? <laughs> Ooh, it's uh, it's looking pretty good. Uh, but unfortunately, I'm going to say he's not. Uh, yeah, I'm going to say even okay. Optimistically, they make the wild card game uh, next year. But I'm going to say. Next time the Jays are fully in a playoff series, Donaldson will be gone. Even if they're good next year. Josh, do you think he's still around? Yeah, I'm going to say yes. I'm going to go the other way, just so that one of us seems silly at some point. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go with no, because I don't think Josh Donaldson's going to take an extension with this team. Um, yeah. I'm putting they're making it back next year. Well, then, yes, sir, if you believe that, sir. <clears throat> I don't. Um, I don't. No. Um, <laughs> Richard Hurley at the RG Hurley. Who, if any of our exciting prospects, do you think we will see when the rosters expand? Who do you, who you got, Josh? I think we're going to see Alfred again. Mm -hmm. I think we'll see Hernandez. I think both of them will be up, even though there's no room for either of them on the roster, but they're on the 40 man. So what the hell? Why not? <laughs> and that's really it. I don't think any of the other guys that people are excited about, maybe Lourdes Goriel. I could see him coming up if he does well enough in double A, just, you know, just to get a taste because he's a guy they want to play soon. But I don't think any of the guys that people really care about are going to make it. Do we have some bullpen arm like Connor Green? Would he be a bullpen arm that they would bring up just to give him a taste? Uh, he's not on the 40 man, so I can't see mm -hmm. them doing it. Always difficult managing the roster. Is there someone who you're hoping gets gets the ring? Uh, Nick? Yeah, no, I think I agree with Josh here. Um, at this point, I mean, it would be just given that it's a lost season, it would be fun to see some of the kids, but uh, they're not they're not ready. Um, like like we were saying a couple questions ago. So yeah, no, I, I agree with Josh. It's it's just going to be kind of the older outfielders. Depending on how you define Jason Leblebigian's role as a prospect, I believe we'll see him in September. I don't... You know what? I don't believe that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I don't know. He, he's not on the 49 either. Like, this is the thing. Like, they're not going to add guys to the 40 men to bring them up in September because that means they got to cut people. You just hate Jason Leblovigian. That's all this is about, clearly. I just wanted to make you keep saying it. <laughs> He's got to get through Rob Refsnyder, who's hitting 417 with the Bisons. Refsnyder's in the bigs. He is? 
Yes. The, uh, oh, they, well, when did they call him? Who did they call him up for? Who did they call Ref Snyder up for? Like, what was the move? Two lows in the DL. That was it. Um, okay. Uh, with Aoki on the roster, will we see Pierce play some second base from Alex Hume? I understand that wouldn't be a regular occurrence. I got to figure if they haven't done it with the way Ezekiel Carrera is hitting uh, by now and the options they have at second base, I don't think this team is ever going to put Steve Pierce at second. Gibbons laughed at the suggestion in spring training. It's not happening. <laughs> Pretty clear. Final question. Unless I'm mistaken. Fill in the blanks. Teoscar Hernandez is the 20 open, 2018 opening day blank fielder for insert team name here. Nick. Uh, he is the 2018 opening day center fielder for the... Uh, European Baseball Federation, <laughs> London Werewolves. Yeah. That okay. crystal ball may have been dented at some point. Yeah. <laughs> I used I, up I, all the, uh, the truth the truth in it. Yeah. Uh, what so, uh, yeah he's, he's the 2018 opening day fourth outfielder for the Jays. I say he's the 2018 opening day right fielder for the Toronto Blue Jays. Okay. And that concludes our questions portion, which means, of course, we have time to squeeze in a do-over. I said a do-over. Oops, I said the quiet part loud and the loud part quiet. <laughs> but what if you could do it all over again? But what I really meant was... I am perfectly prepared to hand this one off to whoever wants it, because we're going to be talking about Major League Baseball umpires who love things other than officiating um who who wants first crack would you like it nick okay i'll i'll give the i'll give kind of the the alternative take here um it used to it used to really really frustrate me in in the way that like anybody who was watching the the stroman start last week uh would be frustrated you know they but now as as the Jays aren't doing well, I feel like it's almost that whenever that umpire takes his mask off, this feeling of like righteous indignation just surges <laughs> through my veins. And it's like a high that you're not going to get from a team that isn't winning very many games. But, but you know, when, when he throws out Josh Donaldson or sorry, when he throws out like Josh Donaldson or, or anybody else, or Martin's talking back to him, to me, a lot of times that's now the highlight of the game that that uh, that confrontation. So I think I've kind of jumped the shark and have gone. I'm now all in on the umps like being really aggressive and inserting themselves into the game in inappropriate so I, ways that they probably shouldn't. I guess I should have gone first so I could actually introduce what we were talking about. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just sorry. went into like I'm all good with it. <laughs> What's he all good with, Josh? Tell us. Oh, it's been the week of the up shows. <laughs> First, we had the silliest one of all time when Jerry Davis ejected Adrian Belty for dragging the on-deck circle over in a 10-run game. Yes. Yes, that Adrian was Beltre. to yeah. cement Beltre's legend, really. 
Yeah, Beltre's like he's chasing down his three thousandth hit. He's standing in just outside the undead circle, and Jerry Davis tries to point at him to go stand in it. For some reason, he's a base ump, and he's paying attention to this in a blowout. It was twenty-two to eight. Uh, I think it was sixteen-six at that point, or something in the eighth. And so Beltre goes and drags the circle over and stands in it, and Davis ejects him. It's just like just have a sense of the moment, buddy. And then we had the the shows in Toronto with Will Little, and then the next day Angel Hernandez, yeah, lawsuit. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Angel Hernandez reassuring you that he's a great umpire and totally deserves to be in the World Series, as he he gets told by Russell Martin to put his mask back on because he's being silly and staring down the pitcher. Um, yeah. Will Little may have been trying to set a record for m- most ejections in fewest number of pitches, three in yeah fifty six seconds. Um, I think, I think probably the best thing about the Beltray one was he was obeying the letter of the instruction, which was get in the on-deck circle, (laughs) which is fine (laughs) because the rule book does not contain a location where the on-deck circle is supposed to be. It's not measured. So, (laughs) (laughs) so he decided to put it in a different spot. Exactly. And to make sure that he knew it was the on-deck circle, he brought the circle with him, which was hilarious. Um, National treasure. Yeah, so you've gone full ump show on us, Nick, which means I can't have you hand out the do-over, so uh, (laughs) I'll see you. You take it. Okay. To all of the Major League umpires who think that someone other than Nick is there to see them, (laughs) we offer up a do-over. Where keeping your mask on, de-escalating things, and I don't know, calling a decent strike zone, <clears throat> Will Little, uh, among others, uh, is what we would like you to do. And if you can stick to that, um, we won't ever talk about your ridiculous shenanigans again. And if not, <laughs> they're going to have to get those chin straps for their for their helmets like kids get for their batting helmets. So every time they, make their, they take their mask <laughs> off, they have to look really silly doing it. I have to undo the thing and play with the clasp and get the thing. Okay, we're good. Okay. Oh, man. Anything to make an umpire feel less cool, I think, is probably good. And I was an umpire. Um, That's right. So we're going to give you a final thought if you have one, Nick. Um, Okay. So we were talking about this uh, a little bit offline, but my final thought would uh, just be one of the other things that kind of happened this past week was the whole uh, David David Price Dennis Eckersley feud, um, I guess. And so, in case anybody didn't hear what happened, uh, Eduardo Rodriguez was on rehab assignment. It wasn't going well. They showed his stats on the Nesson broadcast, and I guess Eckersley said something along the lines of "yuck" when they showed Rodriguez's uh, rehab start line, and. I guess David Price took offense to this and in an effort to stand up for his teammate started berating Eckersley on uh, on a team plane uh, sometime after that. Um, without knowing too much of the dynamics in Boston uh, between the like reporters or the players or anything like that, um, I would just suggest to David Price that he should acknowledge that the same baseball economy that lets a pitcher like David Price make a quarter of a billion dollars for pitching kind of requires people to be talking about his performance all the time. Sometimes that means talking about it critically, um, because without the coverage 
that Eckersley and everyone else who talks about baseball provides, the players probably wouldn't be able to get paid what they do. Um, so my final thought would be just think of the positives, David Price, when it comes to people um, talking about your performance. And I will extend an open invitation that if he wants to play on a baseball team <laughs> where no one will criticize his performance, he's more than welcome to join, uh, more than welcome to join my team. <laughs> we put, we play Tuesdays at eight. Oh well, also a lighter schedule. Josh, I don't do you know. Have... Do you think he can hit for any power? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Here's a fun one, and I can't I can't count the number of times where I've quoted James and To's Twitter for my final thought. <laughs> he just always does these fun things. I don't know if you guys saw. Who's your guest? Scoring from first on a double. Who leads the Jays in the most times doing it? Um. Martin. Bautista. The answers tied with three are Kendris Morales and Justin Smoke. (laughs) (laughs) Two slowest guys on the track. Oh, my God. All right. So my final thought would be the following. Tonight, in a uh, burst of National League weirdness, both John Lester and Max Scherzer hit home runs. Unless you think this is me in support of removing the DH and putting the pitchers back in, Max Scherzer tweaked his neck, had spasms, and could not continue past the second inning. So, <laughs> is that oh, weird dear. enough for you? <laughs> That's weird. Uh, DH forever, um, and I will leave you with that. So this has been Artificial Turf Wars, episode number 68. I have been your host, Greg Wisniewski. Uh, you have been Nick Dyka at Nick Dyka and Joshua Housem at Joshua Housem. And we will talk at you next week.